This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second lesson comes from 1 Timothy chapter 1. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full and acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who had come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Today we're jumping forward and reading in the Gospel of Luke. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me. The sheep that has been lost is now found. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what does a woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours. Through Jesus ah, and the one who changes his mind by mercy. Amen. Uh, Two possible ways to go with this gospel reading today. Up front, both of them are legit. Um, Largely depends upon you, uh, whether you see yourself as the lost or you see yourself as the found. Now, if 
If you are the found, then, then the sermon really needs to go in this direction. It needs to be outreach and, and missional. Um, both parables, that's the thrust of the parable. It's why the church exists, to reach out with the love of God to the world. You are the shepherds. Uh, you have in your possession already the great coin, the pearl of great price, the treasure. And every one of us, all of the baptized, is called to leave the safety of the flock, the 99, the community, and get out there in the world and reach out. We're called to turn this house upside down, inside out, until we find the lost. That's our goal. Welcome, invite, include, engage, disciple, go, until we find the lost coin. Tell them the old, old story of Jesus. That's one direction. But if you're the lost, and you know that you're lost, then these stories have a decidedly different focus. And so should this message. So this great story in the Chicago Tribune is on the orange line going from Midway into downtown. And the only reason I read the story is because of the picture. I'll tell you about the picture in a minute. This is what the story was. There was a woman who had just come to visit her daughter uh, who had moved to the north suburbs of Chicago. Uh, she came from Taiwan. She did not speak English at all. Um, and her daughter went to work the first day. And as was her custom, she went out for a walk and she made a wrong turn. And then she made another wrong turn. <laughs> And then another wrong turn until finally she was like totally lost. Unable to speak any English at all. She just keeps walking. There's no way she could ask for help. Hours kind of go by. At some point she's actually drinking out of somebody's sprinkler system in the front of their yard. So she gets some water. Starting to get a little sunburned. She can't ask for any questions. Until finally she gets so tired. She just lays down in somebody's lawn. And as people in the burbs are prone to do. When someone lays down in your lawn, you call the police. And so the police come, and of course they find out that she can't speak any English. The only word she can say is Taiwan. She's got her daughter's name and her daughter's address, but that's written in Chinese. And so they, they get on the radio, and sure enough, a couple of burbs away, there is an elderly Chinese woman who is missing. And so they put her in a squad car, and they give her a bottle of water and a granola bar. And this is the picture. As they drive her to her daughter's house, she's sound asleep in the back of the car. Safe, found, secure. Amazing, amazing picture. If you know that you are lost, then the message needs to be about rejoicing that we can be found. If you're found, on the other hand, then the message needs to be, well, get out of this place and start looking for those who are lost. So, uh, that being the case, which one is it? Let's have a little show of hands. Um, how many of you think that you're lost right now? Okay. Not an easy call. That's exactly why Jesus tells this story. He tells this story to a group of religious people who were hammering him for eating with sinners and who were quite certain that they were not lost, that they were found, absolutely certain of it. But Jesus, Jesus knows that they're lost. And that's really how it works for us as religious people. We have a lot of AA 12-step uh, meetings here at Lord of Life Church. We remain proud of that. Um, 
One of the basic tenets of AA, for those who have not been through some of those steps, is that the very first step is admitting that you're powerless, that you can't help yourself, that you can't change, you can't get any help, you can't will yourself, you can't even uh, accept the help of a higher power, the highest power, uh, unless you recognize that you can't do this on your own, that you're lost. And and this is true as well, and anybody who's ever been through any 12-step program knows this, people who you love, they're going to love you and support you and care for you and tell you nice things about yourself, even to the place of enabling. But you cannot be found unless you recognize that you're lost. A second reading from 1 Timothy that Jen read, which concludes with this like crazy kind of statement where Paul says, I am an example of what it means to follow Christ. You don't know many people would say something like that. But before he will say that, he first says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a man of violence. I acted ignorantly. I acted unbelief. And I don't think that's like fluff rhetoric. He actually is that. He called himself the chief of sinners, and he knows that he was, that he was lost. On the other hand, the Pharisees... They know that they're found. Just ask them. They'll tell you. They're found. They know God and they know the right way to God. But they're actually lost. And Jesus knows that. And that's where I want to focus today. Um, this rally day, we just had an amazing experience back in the gathering space. Uh, kids and parents and craft items just every which direction. Uh, it was really a powerful, powerful moment. Discipleship kickoff. And what I, what I realized is that that's kind of good in a programmatic way, but it needs to get just a little bit deeper. Um, and so this is the question. When was the last time that you told someone that you were spiritually lost? That you don't really know all the answers. You don't know everything there is to know about God. Not only do you not know all the answers, maybe you don't even know all the questions. Not many of us ever say that out loud. It's pretty dangerous, to be really frank. It's pretty dangerous when you are the spiritual expert on everything. That everything spiritually true has to be because you think it's true. It's pretty dangerous for you. It's pretty dangerous for your family. It's pretty dangerous for your children. You've never been lost. You've always been found. One of the old black and white W.C. Fields films, which first couple of services, only a few people admitted that they actually watch these. They're, uh, they're scandalously uh, not what you want to watch in a current, current era. Um, they're a little bit like making fun of the ugly American at this point. Um, but W.C. Fields in his film called uh, International Hotel, he's uh, floating around in this cartoonish kind of helicopter going across the skies, and suddenly he lands on top of the International Hotel, which is in China. And the bellhop comes out and uh, W.C. Fields in that voice that's so unusual and I can't replicate says, Dear sir, um, I'm looking for Kansas City. And the bellhop says, Sir, you are lost. And he says, No, Kansas City is lost. I'm right here. (laughs) Bible study, life passages, life classes, life groups, confirmation, one body. All those things come in this big umbrella that's almost unfortunate to call them Christian education. But if you're not lost, you don't know that you're lost, that you're always going to be lost, and 
even if you're found right now, you're going to get lost again. Well, then there's virtually no need for any of that stuff in your life. And I just think that's kind of hard to see sometimes. It might actually be the definition of what it means to be lost that I can't actually see where I'm at. I've never ever had anyone say this to me. And and actually, I think a lot of people think it, but I've never had anyone be able to just say it to me just like this. You know, Pastor, I just have my spiritual life together. I don't really need any of that sort of thing from anybody else. I, I just got it. Yesterday, Chris Mazzola and I were back in the gathering space. I was actually watching her work. She was setting up all those things. And one thing she told me was that she really loved the story of the, the, the parable of the coin because it's, it's not the coin's fault that it gets lost. And I, I never thought about that. It's not the coin's fault that the coin gets lost. The coin just gets lost. That's somebody else's fault. And you know, that's, that's really a lot of lostness in the world. Stuff just happens to us. Uh, we get kind of like pushed between the cushions and the couch sometimes. We get slipped underneath the rug. Somebody else makes us be under the table. So I love that perspective. But I couldn't get past the, the parable of the sheep um, because the sheep, on the other hand, they just kind of like wander off. They, uh, they see a little tuft of grass over there and they're eating this grass. They go, oh, that grass looks pretty good. And, and they, that grass looks just a little bit better. And they never look up. They're just looking at, at, at the grass, which, by the way, is probably a definition of spiritual lostness. You never look up. You never see where you are. You never see the big picture. But that little patch of green over there just looks so good until they, they go there and then they go there. And, and then eventually they're on a ledge or in a swamp where they never intended to be. I asked a shepherd in my former congregation how sheep get lost, and she, she told me they nibble themselves lost. I thought that was really interesting. They don't, they don't run for the gate. They just nibble themselves away. It's not so much that we don't want to grow in our knowledge of God, and it's not that parents don't want their kids to have spiritual values that will last them all their lives. It's not that anyone intentionally wants to break the covenants of baptism. I don't think a single family has ever gotten together and said, hey, let's build a golden calf and worship it in our family. Nobody's made a bad decision, bad programmatic effort. And it's not that the programs or the, the opportunities are bad or not helpful. In fact, the Lord of Life Church, we have some amazing programs. I was overwhelmed on Wednesday night to stand around that baptismal font, the first wonderful Wednesday. We called it concentric circles, and the smallest kids were closest to the font. We all prayed together and held hands. It's just that sometimes in our lives, um, the grass just looks a little tastier over there right now. And with our heads looking down rather than looking up and out, short-term view, we just, we just nibble ourselves, lost. Little girl's in the toy department at Target, and she was lost. Um, salesperson noticed that she was lost because she had some crocodile tears in her eyes. And the salesperson says, are you lost? And she says, no, my mom is lost. There are a whole lot of people who are content to just be lost among their toys. And a lot of people are vain enough to think it's God who's lost. And that's where the Pharisees actually were. Um, and that's why Jesus told these stories to them, because they're lost, and they didn't know it. In that 
parable of the lost sheep, there's this one little piece that Matthew actually expands on. Luke just leaves it there, and it's a powerful image. It's, it's not that the shepherd runs out and finds the, the one sheep and then kicks its butt all the way back into the pen. Is it picks up the sheep and puts them on his shoulders, carries them back. Um, and in my childhood, that picture of safety and security is on stained glass right next to the side of the altar salt every week when I was there. It was a great picture of comfort that, that I'm the little lamb that Jesus has on his shoulders. But as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized that right before that picture, the lamb was lost, lost. The very best place to be in the stories today is lost. In Christ, the lost are always found. The worst place to be is to be found. Let me make sure you get this, uh, because I know from years of dependency groups that it's really easy to, to miss this part. Um, as Dave said in our opening today, that we're not defined by the world, we're defined by God's love for us, and nothing that happens in the world is going to change that definition. Um, Sheep are of no less value to the shepherd, whether they're in the pen or not in the pen. Shepherd loves them just the same either, way, either place. A, a coin, a quarter is worth 25 cents. doesn't matter whether it's in a drawer or under the rug or in your pocket. It is worth 25 cents. Being lost makes you no less lovable, not to God, not to God who loves us all. In fact, by recognizing our lostness, by crying for help, by seeking and and searching for direction in our lives, by seeking for ourselves and for our children, what we know we can't provide for ourselves because we're not God, by admitting that we are by nature creatures who just get lost, that's ultimately, that's where the real joy is. The joy of knowing that even when we're lost, and we're going to get lost, The hope, the joy that is ours in Christ belongs to all who are lost because they're going to be found. There's nothing that's going to bring you more hope, more joy, more comfort when you're lost than knowing that you are going to be found. So I'll try this again, and I'm going to be very manipulative, saying it from right from the beginning. You got to start somewhere on the spiritual journey. How many of you are actually lost? Come on, how many of you who are actually lost? Raise, raise your hands. If you're not lost, then you can never have the joy of being found. These are Jesus' words, they're not mine. There is more joy, more joy in heaven over just one lost person who is found. Amen.